We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me at. I'm verified. Just look for dreads, blue check. You know what to do. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And that's C-Kid 206. All right. As we prepare to just wipe the Giants game from our memory, we'll move on uh, to Seattle's next New York opponent. They play the Jets uh, this weekend in what is called the Jamal Adams Revenge Game. Uh, to preview Seahawks-Jets matchup, we have the homie, senior writer at For the Win at USA Today, Charles McDonald. Charles, what up, man? How you doing? What's up? You know, it's uh, it's amazing. My my first full week or my first week at uh, USA Today after leaving the Daily News, and I'm right back talking about the Jets. But, <laughs> uh, they they uh, they earned it this week with the spectacular display of just uh, whatever mess that was on Sunday to lose the game against the Raiders on the very last play of the game. I'm sure we'll get into that, but uh, you know, they just never cease to amaze you with the, how bad they can be throughout the season. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry we got to get you on here talking about the Jets. For you know what? Let's not even go. Jets. Jets first, man. How, how is your PS5 um, search been going? <laughs> well, you know, I, I can say this. I, I have one en route uh, to my address. Like right now, I'm in my parents' place in Charlotte, just kind of hiding from coronavirus and, and chilling here for the holidays. So, yeah, I, I had some time off work, so I figured, let me see if I can just cop this PS5 uh, with my little two weeks off of work before I started uh, this week uh, for the win. And I was like, wow, it's actually dumb hard to find PS5. <laughs> so I I was like, yo, I was up at like 2 a.m. like trying to get these like Best Buy orders in. I was trying to order up sites that I never heard of, sites that look sketchy to even put my debit card information in. And every <laughs> single time, like I was striking out, like I struck out five or six times. I was about to quit. I was straight about to quit until like next year. And then this dude that uh, we followed each other on Twitter for a while, he's actually a reseller and uh, he's a Falcons fan too. So a, a few years ago when the Falcons were uh, on their little Super Bowl run, after they beat the uh, Packers, 
in the NFC Championship game, I happened to be passing through the Atlanta airport, so I grabbed a bunch of copies of the AJC that said the Falcons are headed to the Super Bowl. We don't need to talk about what happened in that game because uh, it's not important. But I uh, I grabbed a bunch of copies of the AJC and I mailed them out to people. And one of the dudes that I mailed them out to, he is like a sneaker and PS5 reseller. Uh, so he was like, "Yo, like I I have a bunch of PS5s and." Uh, what he did for me that day still meant a lot, so I'll sell you one for retail price. So, you know, he sold me one for retail price, and it uh, arrived at my parents' front door yesterday on Monday. And the the dude, I, like, I, I I made it so I had to sign to get it because I didn't want anyone to steal my my thing or whatever. But I didn't realize that the doorbell was broken, so when they tried to, uh, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. When someone when they tried to, to drop it off. Jeez. I didn't know that they were there, and I, I checked to see, like, I checked on, my, on the, the tracking thing. I was like, damn, like, why isn't he here yet? And I saw that they had, like, literally just tried to uh, to deliver it. So, I, yo, I ran out the house. I ran out to the street to see <laughs> if the FedEx dude was there, <laughs> and uh, he was not there. So, I, I, I hopefully I'll be able to pick it up after we finish recording, and uh, if not, I'm sure I will be huffing and puffing online once again, because at this point, it's just it's just kind of fun. But I do have one. In route within like a maybe two or three mile vicinity from my house, I just gotta go find it and get it. I don't want to get too carried away with video game talk, but why the PlayStation Five? And do you have a significant other? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, but but look, I'm home. I'm home, and I got nothing else to do. And I, I look, I, I really was not even planning on getting it till next year. But then, like I said, I had a couple of weeks off of work and. I wanted to get it, and I did. But now I'm starting work again, so I don't even have much, much time to play it. So <laughs> and the reason I asked if you had a significant other is because that's how I got my Xbox. Bay hooked it up for my birthday in July. She said, "Do you want the PS5 or the Xbox?" And I was like, "Baby, come on now. I've been rocking with Microsoft since 2000. Ain't nothing about to change now. Go ahead and get the Xbox." Yeah. And she got lucky. She, go ahead. I was about to say the problem is I didn't I didn't want anything like I wasn't pressed at all for gaming consoles because I was like I know it's about to distract the hell out of me during the season so I didn't even put in a pre order <laughs> or anything and by the time like I realized I was gonna have all this free time on my hands bro it, it's so hard to get one because you get on like Walmart you get on GameStop you get on Best Buy you get on these sites and these bots snatch it up and like the PS5 like it will be I, there are multiple times I got it into my cart and I was about to get <laughs> check out and it was like oh the item was out of stock I was like how is it out of stock it was just in my cart and then you go on, you go on stock X and they're charging the, you you get like the lesser version of PS5 on stock X for like $1100 so mm. I, like I, I just couldn't do that off principle you know but luckily my man Jose uh, hooked it up for me and now I'm, I'm just waiting for it, for it to get into my hands shout out Jose man <laughs> it's funny I said let's not talk about the Jets and somehow Charles snuck the Falcons in there I don't know how I wondered where we were going with that I was like hopefully not getting into the Falcons man I don't want to relive that that type of misery for you it's not that bad for me but you know I'm glad yeah let's, it's bad for me it's yeah. bad for me let's, let's, let's move on there we, we usually open every show with uh, action opposing team uh, beat writers just about what their the, the team they cover is doing uh, whether it's voting initiatives or just racial injustice or partnering with grassroots organizations just whatever to spread the message over the last like i don't know what 11 months or 10 months of the of 2020 that were just uh, a mess uh socially um you're covering the nfl kind of at large now so we won't focus just just on the jets but just what has the nfl done or any nfl players or owners done in the last like eight months that has felt like substantial to you in terms of social justice and racial justice I mean, am I allowed to say not that much? Like, I'm yeah, not, man, it's all you say, whatever you want. 
Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't really been moved by that much that I've seen so far. I mean, it was nice this summer to hear Roger Goodell finally say Black Lives Matter uh, and for the NFL to pledge uh, however much money they did to to those causes. But, you know, I, I, I still think when you have... When you're a league like the NFL and you are filled with billionaires uh, who run these teams, you could be doing a lot more than you want to. I mean, they're friendly with all these politicians. Like, if they were actually interested in pushing forth legislature that would actually affect maybe police violence in uh, black communities and minority communities, then that's something that they absolutely have the power to do. And they haven't really done that. You know, money is nice and money is going to help people get to certain places, but we all know that these guys are in the ears of people who can actually make real change. And I think we also know that their political leanings probably don't line up with people who want to make real change for uh, black and brown community. So I've been a little bit underwhelmed or, you know, fairly underwhelmed by uh, what the NFL has done versus what they could be doing. And, you know, I think it's cool. I think one cool thing was, this summer and you know early in the season especially you got you start to see players uh find their voice and speak up i mean uh george fant who was uh previously with seattle and uh is now uh, starting a right tackle for the jets uh when i was still there at the daily news during training camp he had a press conference where you know he refused to answer anything except for questions about uh, social and racial injustice, which was kind of awkward being the only black reporter on staff, uh, or not on staff, but like the only black reporter that's like consistently covering the uh, the, the Jets. I was having like a one-on-one Zoom conference in front of 25 other people because everyone else was afraid to ask him a question. Like somebody even tried to sneak in football questions and he was like, nah, like we're talking about uh, Breonna Taylor because he's from Kentucky and how that affected him. And uh, I was just having one-on-one with him for like 10 minutes in front of all these other people on a Zoom call, which is kind of awkward. But uh, I'm not too surprised, I think, if you know these people that cover the teams. Oh, yeah. No, not su- not surprising at all. Glad you glad you got that one-on-one. George is a good dude. Um, yeah, he's, he's cool. He's dope. Uh, if I was to – let's put hypothetical hats on everyone on the show here. If I was to – if I'm, I'm Roger Goodell now, I say, I say Charles, you're in charge. You, we're going to give you division. We'll call it our social justice NFL division. You're in charge. You got autonomy. Here's a PS5 for your troubles. Uh, <laughs> how, how, how can we, what can we do? How can we make the, the, the country a better place using what we got? Uh, let's look and see where these NFL owners are donating their money during these political campaigns and see what those people stand for. And we can call them out on their crap because they are funding a lot of these people, whether it be Donald Trump or other people, uh, in you know in the senate or congress or whatever you let's see where their money is going and let's put their feet to the fire and ask them why are you giving your money to these people do you agree with their views on uh housing and zoning and police brutality and all this other stuff and i think that if you were just able to get these people to actually sit down and answer some hard questions or uh explain some of the heinous things that they do i think that would be a, a good first step if you had the actual power to do that but they're billionaires and they don't answer to anybody so it's tough no, yeah, it is. it is. There you go. That was worth a PS5 for sure. That should you know, <laughs> Roger Goodell uh, should do that. Um, I want to let's get into uh, some football stuff here. I, I called. I called this Seahawks Jets game. 
um, the Jamal Adams uh, revenge game. It's also the George Fant revenge game. It's also the uh, what's what's the other guy's name? The Brandon McDo- no, Brad- the Brandon Shell. It's the Brandon, oh, Brandon Shell, Shell revenge yeah. game and Bradley McDougal. Reve- There's a lot of revenge wow, uh, wow. going on in here. Yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't recognize all the Seahawks and Jets ties here, but we'll focus on Jamal real quick. I think we had you on actually after they did the did the trade. What what have you kind of thought of how the Seahawks have used uh, Jamal since giving up the world uh, to get him? Yeah, I think they're both trying to trying to figure it out. Honestly, the interesting thing to me is that like I don't think that the Seahawks have used them all that differently than the Jets did last year. Uh, and you know that 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 to me has been kind of hard to figure out because the Jets' defense was you know as hor- horrific as their offense was last year. They're pretty good on defense, uh, especially in the run game. And Jamal was just like this playmaking blitzer who, you know, I mean, that's kind of his role in Seattle too, but uh, like you go back to that Giants game last year where he had like two sacks and like two forced fumbles and a touchdown or something like that. And you like, you see the playmaking ability. And I think one thing that the Jets were able to figure out last year is kind of like how to get that skill set to fit in with the rest of the defense. And I think that, you know, that, that can be kind of hard to do on the fly, especially in a pandemic season. Uh, And, I, I like. I think that they're using Jamal how you're supposed to because he's not someone maybe that you want just like patrolling deep in the you know in cover two or cover one playing deep. Like you want him coming forward and maybe you know that's a, a, a separate conversation about like do you trade two first round picks for a player like that because what you do what you have to do to make comes that a sacrifice to the rest of your defense. Uh, you know, I, I think that they're using how they're supposed to be, well, how he's supposed to be used, but they haven't figured out how to get like the other ten players to kind of work around with that. And I think maybe weirdly, in a way, for the Jets, it may have been a little bit easier because you know you don't have a, a Bobby Wagner, or KJ Wright, or these other guys in uh, in New York. You know, you can literally center the entire defense around Jamal and kind of figure out your fits uh, off of that. So you know, I, I think year two with Jamal in Seattle will probably be a little bit better, but. I think if, if you're a Seahawks fan, you're probably a little bit disappointed that this hasn't like revolutionized your defense. How how crazy do you think Jamal plans on going this week against his former team? Oh come on! I mean, <laughs> you saw what he had to say after the uh, like the Giants game on Sunday, where he's talking about you know. Uh, losing to a New York team kind of stings a little bit. And I mean, he didn't even play for the Giants. So <laughs> uh, it, it, I I would expect like peak Jamal Adams that you've seen uh, this week in terms of, you know, what he's going to say to the media if they win. Uh, if, if, if they somehow, God forbid, lose this game, I doubt he's going to say much of anything. But, you know, he I can imagine he's going to be chirping a bit on the sidelines. I imagine he's going to be chirping a lot at Adam Gase uh, during the game because – I don't think that they had a, such a great relationship before he got traded. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a fun. If, if you like the theatrics of sports and the, the gladiator aspect of the NFL, I think that Jamal going against the Jets is something you're going to be interested in watching. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Why was that relationship between Adam and, um, and Jamal so bad? I mean, why is the relationship between Adam and every star player bad? Like, <laughs> like, you couldn't get Le'Veon Bell to stay around. You go back to Miami with Jarvis Landry and, and some other players and couldn't get them to stick around. I think that Adam has a very specific way about how he wants to go about things, a very not productive way about how he wants to go about <laughs> things, as we can see so far. Uh, but Adam is Adam's stuck in his ways, and Adam is very much uh, – you have to fit in with what I'm doing versus I'm going to try to make room for you. We can make this like a collaborative effort, which I think is why you see star players really not, not mesh with him. And then when you have someone like Le'Veon Bell, who's outspoken, you have someone like Jamal, who's outspoken Jamal, who literally went on the record and said that Adam Gase is not like a Super Bowl winning head coach. Like you have these guys with big egos and guys who have earned those big egos based on how they perform in the league, Adam just doesn't seem to get along with him. I don't think, to me, I don't think that was anything specific about Jamal more as it was about how Adam Gase has a history of, of like high-profile players not really staying with him. Let's stay on the theme of Jets coaches. Well, damn, he's former now. It sucks that Greg Williams is not in this game anymore and okay so let's, let's give some background here so greg williams is he, he said some dumb stuff been a bad coach his whole career whatever right so he has the the all-out blitz that he calls against the raiders uh this past sunday ends up costing the jets they're probably their best chance at a win to be honest uh against the raiders team that badly needed it um and i know one of the re- knee-jerk reactions from a lot of people were that oh no the jets are the jets are tanking right like who would who in their right mind would call such a thing in that situation unless they were trying to get Trevor Lawrence but Charles i know you covered Greg Williams and your reaction was like yo nah he he's just that bad <laughs> not it's not not you see the thing is i think that Greg is actually a pretty decent play caller on defense, but the thing with Greg is he's impulsive, man. Like he's very impulsive. Like at practice, at training camp, you hear the way he talks to the players, and honestly, a lot of a lot of the players liked him a lot. Like I know, uh, like Jamal liked him. Uh, 
you know, a lot of the other defensive players on the Jets, like Greg Williams, I mean, a lot of guys saw him as the head coach of the team, to be honest with you, especially last year. Uh, but Greg's impulsive, man. Like, his whole thing is, we're going to blitz the hell out of you, and we're going to try to create big plays. And here's, here's if I if I had to take a thought, I guess the Greg's thought process in that in that minute was if you go back to the play before the touchdown, they actually ran like a prevent defense and Nelson Aguilar ran right up the seam, ran right past the safeties into the end zone. Derek Carr opened the room. Like he was open. So Greg's thing is the next play. If you're going to, if you think you're going to get beat over the top, Greg is just going to go hard the other way and say, we're going to go all out blitz. We're going to nuke the pocket. We're going to get Derek Carr down and see if we can do it that way. Now, a level-headed person will probably go, <laughs> let's just try that that prevent thing again and tell our safeties to back the hell up because there's like 10 seconds left. They have no timeouts. If they catch the ball inbound somewhere in front of the end zone, the game is over and we win because they're going to have to run too far and they won't be able to get a spike off. Greg is saying, no, we are going to go hard the other way. Instead of eight in coverage, we're going to have no safeties back. We're going to blitz everybody. And that's how you end up with, you know, uh, fake Lamar Jackson, the, the rookie cornerback from Nebraska who was undrafted, ran like a 4-6 on Henry Ruggs, one of the fastest players in the NFL, runs right past him. Derek Carr drops it right in the bucket, a pretty easy throw, and the game is over. I don't think that it was a tanking job because if you know one thing about Greg Williams, he's not going to tank. And I think one thing that people have to remember is – these guys work hard, man. Like the coaches work hard. The players work hard, even on a bad team like the jets, everyone's busting their ass. So no one wants the stain of Owen 16 to be on their resume forever, because that's something you could never get off. And Greg, he's about to be involved in two of them. I mean, the jets <laughs> kind of saved him because now he gets stuck at Owen 12 instead of Owen 16. Cause if you guys remember, he was a defensive coordinator for that 0-16 uh, Browns team in 2017. So there's no way that Greg Williams is thinking we're going to throw this game. And I think another thing you have to think is none of these guys are going to be here next year on the coaching staff. So why would they give a damn about next year's team? Like they're auditioning for uh, – they're, they're trying to audition for uh, new jobs next year. So I, I think that, you know, Greg just kind of let that call get away from them. I don't know if you guys saw the thread from Mike Silver where he was tweeting about – Adam Gase's reaction where Adam Gase apparently <laughs> oh, yeah. heard heard cover zero over his headset and was like, oh, my God. And the <laughs> next thing you saw was Henry Ruggs running into the end zone to uh, to win the game. So, you know, it, there, there's a reason why they're 0-12, bro. Like, they're really bad. And it's decisions like that. And you have an undrafted rookie against a first-round pick, and that's what happens. I'm sure you remember in early August, Greg Williams' comments about how the Seahawks might or might not use Jamal Adams saying Jamal may get bored there because the Seahawks don't use their safety type things and all the different complexities, maybe not showing what they're doing as much as we do. Looking back at those comments, how do you think Jamal has fared in Seattle's maybe boring defense? Uh, I I mean, I think Jamal is doing, especially in terms of like blitzing pass rush, like I think he's he's been excellent. The problem is like when you when you trade two first round picks for someone like that, they also need to be just like absolutely dynamite in coverage. Which you know, even at his peak last year with the Jets, I'm not sure Jamal was that player. And you know, some of it I think he's been banged up and in and out of the lineup. But I think that 
obviously, like, the way Jamal plays, like, it's not boring. I mean, he's going to get his fair share of chances to run across the line of scrimmage, which is where he's at best. But, you know, it's like you need a little bit more coverage presence if you're going to trade two, two first-round picks for a guy. Like, you know, the, the game against the Bills, I think, is a good example. You know, there's no reason if I trade that much draft capital for a player – I should never be sweating against him playing in coverage against any receiver. And I think Stephon Dix is one of the best in the league. So, you know, that part still needs to change. But it's it's always fun to watch Jamal get up the field and bang heads and, and get sacks in the quarterback. Like, that's that style of play is going to be fun to watch. You know, I've, I've never really felt like I had anything in common with Greg Williams. Although hearing Charles talk about him, I actually think I do. Because we, we probably play Madden the same way. Because I just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tell you what, that, that mid blitz on Madden, I spam that all the time. We're gonna line up six in the line of scrimmage, everyone's coming, we're gonna slide man coverage, and we're just gonna pray. Yeah. But hopefully you don't have a, a cornerback that runs a four eight or I'm not four eight, a four five eight or a four six in that range. I don't even know how a four six cornerback makes the NFL in today's game. Jesus, let alone getting matched up on Hegley <laughs> Rooks. Like I said, the Jets are 0 12 for a reason. I wanna flip to the offensive side of of the ball and the talent on the offense for the Jets, they have some. It's not as – I mean, every team in the NFL has talent, right? What is going on with Darnold? How has he not been able to connect with some of these guys? You look at Mims, a talented receiver out of Baylor. Where's the disconnect? Yeah, I mean, part of it, I think, is because Sam missed some time again uh, with that shoulder injury. And while Sam – you know, before Sam got hurt, Mims was hurt. Uh, Perryman was in and out of the lineup. Crowder was in the lineup, uh, and then Sam gets hurt, and all those guys get healthy. And you see, you know, like, I, I think I, I agree with you. Like, you see that game that they had on Monday night against the Patriots, where you know that's another game they probably could have won too. And Joe Flacco makes the best of what he can with those guys, and you see that they can actually make some plays. Like Denzel Mims is going to be probably going to be the number one receiver next year. Like he's very, very talented. You just don't really see guys his size that can move and, and cut like he does. Uh, Jameson Crowder is, you know, more than viable slot receiver. And Perryman, you know, when his hands aren't greased up, then he, he can make some big plays down the field too. So uh, it, it just hasn't clicked for Sam for whatever reason. I mean, you have the injury. Now he's trying to get back involved with these guys. And he's still working through the inaccuracies and some of like that Superman uh, Superman syndrome where he just thinks he needs to do whatever he can to make uh, – anything out of a play and doesn't know when to let a play die. Like you see all those things kind of come together and it just turns ugly. I mean, uh, before, before like the first drive on, on Sunday, he was about to hit like a streak of 150 pass attempts in a row without throwing the touchdown, which is Jeez. really, really hard to do uh, <laughs> in today's NFL. Even if you, even if you don't have, uh, even if you don't have a bunch of like star talent at receiver, but like they they have serv- serviceable talent at receiver. They got one of the best left tackles in the NFL, Mackay Beckton. Their offensive line is, you know, not great, but like slightly below average. Like there's enough there where you can not be the worst quarterback in, in the NFL statistically, at least. And you know, it sucks because like, I think Sam's a really nice guy, a really cool guy. Uh, I think that maybe in the right spot, he could end up being a viable starting quarterback, but. This year has not gone well for him, and you know, he kind of he, he kind of reminds me of like a discount version of Jay Cutler at this point, which is you know not very good. Wow! And then, what's the future for Sam Darnold? Is this going to be it? Are they going to figure out? I mean, he did just what was it, 2018? Got a little contract extension there. What's the future for Sam Darnold? 
Uh, his time in New York is done, and I think everybody knows that. Uh, they're probably going to finish 0-16, 15 and uh, have a shot at the first overall pick. And, you know, if you get that first pick, we all know it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. And, like, Trevor Lawrence now is probably a better player than Darnold is now. So I, I don't even think that that's a, a question for you. That It's just kind of where is Darnold playing in uh, – 2021 and you know i think it's probably going to end up being a team that has a veteran quarterback where he can just kind of sit for a year get this all figured out because it's kind of a mess for him right now uh and i, I think you know some teams that you know you've heard hear rumblings about with donald indianapolis is one pittsburgh uh chicago could be a dark horse team if they just are like you know let's see if we can get some more talent here to compete with nick Foles next season because you know trubisky is all but done uh in chicago <laughs> so you know it, it, it's i think the best situation for him is probably a team like indianapolis or uh pittsburgh where you can sit behind a, a, a veteran quarterback for a year or if he needs to play right away maybe even san francisco could take a swing on him if they kind of strike out all their other quarterback options but sam's on the move uh and i honestly think it's best for both parties you know just let let him get a fresh chance you guys get to start over with trevor lawrence or justin fields and and you get to keep this thing moving but i think an interesting thing about sam is like he's still even though this is year three like he's still one of the youngest quarterbacks in the nfl he's younger than lamar jackson uh he's younger than joe burrow uh you know there's still time for him to figure this out but it's not gonna be with the jets yeah, he just needs to stop seeing ghosts. That would probably be a good, yeah. <laughs> good that'd be a good start. I think is to just see your teammates, brother, and just throw it to them. You know, it, it, avoid the avoid the ghosts. Uh, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. I don't really watch a ton of Clemson, but I mean, I'm not stupid. I got uh, I got internet and TV, so like I see I see all the hype. Um, is is tr- as good as Trevor's supposed to be? Is that enough to turn around a team that's had the quarterback luck? The I mean, uh, unluck. I guess is probably the better way to put it that the Jets have had. I think I think it can be with the right play caller. And to be honest, like I think Sam could have worked out in New York, but that Gase hire was it was like the almost opposite direction where you need to go. Uh, and this, this hire is going to be pivotal for them. But you got some pieces, man. Like you got Mims who can be a number one receiver, who has the talent to be a number one receiver. You have Crowder, like I said, who can be in the slot. Makai Beckton is just an absolute freak at left tackle, and you're also going to have like. $80 million in cap space to go fix the offensive line, maybe add another receiver if you want to. Like, there's going to be options of free agency uh, at, at both spots, offensive line and receiver. Like, if you have a productive offseason and then you draft Trevor Lawrence, like, you can be right back in it. And I know that, you know, it's the Jets and they're cursed and everything seems to go poorly for them. But I really do think they have some really nice pieces in place on offense for someone else can just take this to the next level. Like, if you, if I don't know how much of Makai Beckton you guys have watched, but like this guy is incredible. I, I think that maybe in the next year or two, he probably will be the, left, the best left tackle in the league. Just when you look at the size, power, the athleticism, I mean, no one's getting past him. Uh, and like I said, Mims, Crowder, uh, Perryman, Barrios, like even that's like a little fourth receiver. There, there's, there's talent there. It's just you got to have the right quarterback, and you got to have someone better pulling the strings in case. You know, I've been talking to people just like in passing about the attractiveness of some of these jobs that are open. The Lions jobs open now. Let's see, Falcons, Lions, Houston, Jets. Uh, maybe that Chargers job will be open this offseason, too. I would stay away from a lot of those because of the 
people running the team, the owners and stuff for all like right, it, right. it's bad. It's bad in a lot of those places. At Jacksonville, I think is there is there is there a job open? It'll probably be. Um, They'll probably open. Yeah. How how attractive is the Jets' job between the assets that they have in terms of picks? From, some of them from Seattle, the, the prospect of Trevor Lawrence, the money they have, the pieces they already have. Like if you're like a Robert Sala or something, and, and the Jets call, do you answer the phone? This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I, I think you do, just because it's just such a rare opportunity where you can step in with a new rookie quarterback who like is as talented as Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields with all the money in the world to shape this roster how you want to. Like that that alone is appealing. And look, the ownership concerns with the Jets are like very valid. Like there's a reason why year after year after year after year, no matter who the head coach is, no matter who the quarterback is, there's a reason why it's always somewhat of a circus. Uh but it's like it's like you're getting the keys to a Madden franchise. You can do whatever you want. I mean, it's it, it really is like the amount of assets they have really is that appealing. Like you're going to have you know eighty million dollars worth of cap space in a year where uh, a bunch of teams are losing cap. Like you have an advantage on the market just because you can say we can offer you more money than the other guys can. Oh, and we're going to have Trevor Lawrence uh, coming in in a couple months. Like that is an incredibly powerful like free agency pitch for guys. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that the Jets job is like really, really appealing, you know, e- even with the ownership concerns involved, it's just so many assets. Like you, you look at the first overall pick, most likely you're going to have the Seahawks picks um, from the Jamal Adams trade. You're going to have uh, a couple more picks like in the mid rounds and other moves that they've made. I mean, you can get, if you, if you nail this, this upcoming draft and free agency period, I'm not saying you make it to the playoffs next season because you're still going to have some growing pains to work through, but you can be like a legitimately exciting team if, if you play your cards right. I would say last season the Jets were that legitimate exciting team because they finished 7-9. and nine. What happened between last season and this season? Is it really the factors of losing Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams, or what do you think the case might have been? Uh, well, honestly, what I would tell you is that <laughs> that Jets team at 7-9 and nine, way overachieved uh, <laughs> I, like, like they, they were not I don't think they were a good football team at all like the, the defense was, was pretty good but the offense was one of the worst in the league and I, I know that no one remembers this because why would anybody remember this but <laughs> that that week 17 game to get to seven and nine they were playing the bills like third stringers because the bills had a playoff lock spot locked in and they almost lost uh, <laughs> like they 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 were not good. Um, I know, like, if you look at some of the more advanced metrics uh, that show you, like, how many, based on your performance, like, you'd be expected to win this many games. They're expected to win, like, three games last year, and they end up winning seven. So, you know, I, I think that they're kind of underachieving this year with the 0 and 12 because I, because when I look at this team, like, they're not as bad to me as, like, that, that Detroit Lions team, though, 0 and 16, or uh, even, like, that, that Browns team. Like, they have some pieces. It's just, it's been so poorly mismanaged that they find themselves here and you know i don't i don't think that they can get their crap together 
fast enough to to, to to win this thing out. But you know what I would what I was telling people prior to the season was that you know that seven and nine record that was fake. Like that was way over achievement. I would expect them to kind of be in a rebuilding year this year. But look, I didn't expect it to be this bad. Like I thought maybe they could sneak out a couple wins, but this is just a disgrace. You know, it's actually really impressive they managed to even get to seven when they played our our boy Luke Falk from Wazoo. We're both Wazoo grads. They played him for what? He, he played in the Monday night game, I think, uh, and then what? Started two games after that, and was just god awful. And they still got it, seven it was, wins. It was bad. It was bad. No, I mean, I, I like I like Luke. Great, he did great things at Wazoo, but like he was. Like the fact that he went from what practice squad to to starting, starting was, I mean, it, he was barely any better yeah. than uh the what's the dude from the Broncos that just had to play quarterback? Kendall Hinton, Hinton, Hinton. Yes, yes. yeah, like he. Yo, Godspeed to him, bro. Because <laughs> I, I look, because it was you know I was gonna make fun of him at first, but then I was like, man, what an impossible spot to be put in. Like you were just you got stuck. Uh, like the day before the game, they're like, "Oh, hey, bro, you were playing quarterback actually against one of the best defenses in the league." So to even complete one quarterback. I'm a, I, I'm giving them props. Yeah, no, I t- I, t- I tuned in. Chris, did you watch that game? No, absolutely not. Because oh. I knew it was gonna happen. Oh, it was. Yeah. I saw the highlights, and it was just as bad as I pictured it. Yeah, I was. I was probably like Charles. Like I tuned in to like, oh, I'm gonna get a good laugh on this Sunday. I'm gonna watch, you know, this mess. And then after like, I don't know, two drives, I was like, oh, poor guy. <laughs> Unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna die out there. I felt. I felt bad. For right. Him. Yeah, I felt bad. Uh, let's let's close this out with our over under. Uh, in our prediction uh, segment, we'll start. We're going to do two over-unders here. We'll do one Seahawks-related and one Jets-related. We'll start with the Seahawks-related one. Over-under on the number of negative plays Jamal Adams creates. So we'll combine picks, fumbles forced, um, tackles for losses included in this, and we'll include sacks. So there's a lot of opportunities there. And we'll put, I'll put the over-under at three and a half. What you got? Over. I, I think he's going to be playing like just absolutely insane uh i'm sure he's gonna be asking pete and the the defensive staff to give him as many blitzes as possible i'm gonna go over with that one jamal's gonna be playing on sunday like uh like you know like if you the girl you're trying to get at walk into the gym at lunch and you, and you and you hooping? I went to an all boys school, so this don't this doesn't relate. Okay. But it, you, 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 your your girl come to the game, no, and you just like I gotta get these buckets no. today. You do all that dribbling, you know. You you do everything. You you doing behind the back layups and everything. You just not being you. you I'll know? go a step further. We playing flag football. My girl show up. Oh, I I need this ball right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing a double move. I'm going <laughs> out and up. Hit me deep. I'm pulling all the flags. I'm looking to get every interception. I feel it. Yeah, no, that's how Jamal is gonna yeah. be playing. <laughs> that, that's what I think is gonna happen too. Yeah, he be playing like his his girl his girl in the uh, in the stands here, and we're gonna we're gonna go with uh, we're gonna go to Sam Darnold uh, over under as well passing yards for Sam. The Seahawks have actually gotten a lot better, uh, but they just lost to Colt McCoy, so I can't really give them too much props. We'll go with I want to go with two forty five and a half uh, for Sam. Ooh, that's a good that's a that's a good number. I think I'll go. I, I think it'll go slightly under. Mm. Uh, like I, I, I still expect him to break like 200 yards, but any like once you ask him this offense to get like 250 yards plus throwing, like that's 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 a little tough. All right, Charles, take us out. Who's gonna win this game? If the spread is 13 and a half, I would encourage everyone listening to stay away from that line. Uh, give give us a winner and give us a score. Uh, I'm gonna go Seattle. Uh, like I said, like you said, like that that spread is. It's a little high, but you know, I think I'll go twenty-three thirteen Seattle. 
There we go. A double-digit win. I mean, I don't know how good Seattle fans would feel about only putting up 23 um, against the Jets, but that 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 sounds about right. Listen, guys, do not bet that. It's a bad line. Stay away line. from 13 and a half. Those are not the type of lines you you take. Um, that's uh, that's Charles McDonald, senior writer at For the Win at USA Today. Man, Charles, thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, make sure you guys please go follow Charles on Twitter, man. It's a it's an experience for several reasons. Uh, so <laughs> it's uh, at Four Verts. Please do. Charles, are you verified? No, I'm not. Uh, you know that's a that's an off air story. I, I was I was messing around online and uh, I well you know I'll say whatever. When I, when I was uh, working at SB Nation, we had to get verified and we had to fill these applications. And I was like, I wonder how serious I wonder how serious Twitter would take this. So like I put down all the sites I worked for, you know, SB Nation, Bleach Report, and then for my my last one I was messing around. I put X videos like that porn site. Oh. And, <laughs> and yo, know, like they were they were they Twitter hit me up. They were like. We can't find any verification that you have worked at X videos before, so you can't your application to get uh, verified been denied. So ever since then, I'm holding out a vendetta against them. Like they can't take a joke, and I don't want any part of it. Wow, <laughs> that is legendary. Oh my god. Oh, I'm glad you told. Oh man, that's well. I always, I always try to uh, get. I'm campaigning to get Chris verified because he's not verified either, and usually our guest is. But this is the probably the most unique <laughs> circumstance in the world <laughs> in which our guest is not. But either way, make sure you guys go follow. All Charles's work, man. He really knows. He really knows ball, man. I know we joked about Greg Williams and stuff today, but man, he he knows ball, man. He does. Make sure you guys go follow all of his work. Uh, we will catch you guys at our next episode after the Seahawks hopefully beat the Jets uh, on Sunday. Until then, we're out. Time to your-